Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, brought to you by Big O. Our friends at Big O Tires save up to $190 off Michelin tires with financing options available only at your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. All right, Gordo, are you ready for a little what's going on? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, let's start things off with uh, DJ and PK uh, talking about two separate questions about the Jazz and the Western Conference race. Anthony Davis is out. If you missed it over the weekend, him limping off the floor, holding the, putting the hand on the ankle. The tendinosis is back. He's had an MRI. He's getting another one today, apparently, in L.A. The Denver MRI cannot be trusted. But he's not going to play before the All-Star break. That seems pretty clear. So now the question is, how long will he be out after the All-Star break? And they're going to reevaluate him there in March and try to figure that out. So the Jazz are 23-5. and How much can they pull away from the Lakers now that AD is out? Lock down the one seed. Put the Lakers and Clippers on the other side of the bracket. Let them play each other in the second round. Golden opportunity right in front of them. And you talk about disrespected there is no NBA team that is more disrespected in its own market than the Clippers. Ah. Even the Knicks are not as disrespected. There's obviously not that many markets that have multiple teams. But the Clippers, and it is overwhelmingly a Laker town. And the reason why I want that to happen, it benefits the Jazz potentially. If the Jazz don't beat the teams in round one or two, it doesn't matter. I understand that. But... The Clipper just little brother, brother syndrome, and this is our chance to win this town. The ramifications of that are just unlike anything we've ever seen in all these years the Clippers have been there. So I think, man, that would be so intense to see those two teams play each other. And maybe, maybe a benefit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with benefiting, winning a title and benefiting. In the end, nobody really cares. Nobody cares what breaks you cut along the way. Yeah. You either had the trophy or you didn't. You either had the 16 wins or you didn't. Yeah, right. That's all that matters. And if somebody else got hurt or or whatever it might be, so what? And if the Clippers were put all their energy and, and then were gassed against the Jazz, so what? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Dan tweets at us, hey, I love the way the Jazz are playing, but do you think there's such a thing as the Jazz peaking too soon? Well, of course. I mean, there's always a chance that you play your best basketball in a month that doesn't involve the playoffs. In this case, you know, playing their best basketball in January and February. I mean, is there a chance that's going on? Sure. Uh, I mean, we didn't expect them to go 19-1 now. We don't expect them to go 19-1 later. But you don't feel any better if they just lost more now. If they lost more now, then they would be better later. You pretty much just have to take the wins when they come. Well, when I look at it peaking, I don't think they are peaking. Think they can play better than this? Well, Conley's out, so his return is going to make them better. So right off the bat, off the top of my head, yes. Right there. Absolutely. Yes. And they don't necessarily need to play better. Peaking, if you're not speaking by definition, means you've hit a plateau. I'm not saying they've hit a plateau. So I'm not saying they can play better, but that doesn't mean that they're peaking. Because this could be the level. If we had a timeline right now, 
you know that what you see in the medical thing of the thing going up and down and the the EKG. Heartbeat. Yeah, right. How's his so, heartbeat? Right. That's not necessarily the case. They could just be a, a flat thing, and this is to be what they're capable of doing consistently. Because I can argue individually, Clarkson is Clarkson, and he finds a way to get it done most nights. Last night he found a way to get it done at a high, high level, so you're not going to count on 40 points in 26 minutes. I mean, that, the production is just off the charts. Uh, but I think Mitchell can be more efficient. Gobert can make better free throws. Have a better percentage on that. There's no doubt about that. Not sure Joe can play much better. I'll grant you that. And Yang has worked himself into, in his 15 minutes, of doing pretty good. But I think Bogdanovich, if statistically, if you just look at his points, he's clearly underachieved to the level that he did last year. Not that it matters because you're 19-1. and one. But if you're looking for guys, if you're, if you're worried about that or concerned might be a better word, I can chip away at that theory. And plus, shooting is shooting. And are any of these guys going to go in a prolonged shooting slump? They'll have their moments where they're hotter than others. That's shooting. But the thing about it, we say shooting comes and goes, but I don't know with the Jazz that it really goes. It comes, but does it really go? Because if Bogey's not hitting, well, i got two or three other guys that are hitting. And when I look at Joe, is he shooting beyond what he's capable of shooting right now? I don't think so. In any one game, sure. Over a sustained period of time, no, probably not. He's shooting 51% and 44% from three, so I don't know what you're expecting. You know, I don't see how he could do better than that over a prolonged period of time. Is he going to shoot 50% from three, be up there with the league leaders? Shoot 55% from the field? Seems like a stretch. All right, there you go, DJ and PK. Uh, just, I mean, not totally disagreeing with PK necessarily, but I think the Jazz are so much more than just. A, I mean, the shooting has been consistent, but they just—they're more than that. I mean, they're a great shooting team, there's no doubt, but there's so many different ways they're finding to win basketball games. They are, but I do agree with what PK was saying about the Jazz can can play better than they have. I mean, like right now, they don't have Mike Conley. Uh, Bogdanovich, I agree with him that he has had a lot of, uh, oh, what's the word, less than Bogdanovich-like nights. So I, I do believe that they, they can get better. But they, they have proven that they can win different ways. I mean, we've seen that enough, as you have pointed out a number of times just during our show today, that uh, there is uh, a multiple kind of level for the Jazz uh, no longer is it a deal where if they shoot under 50%, they're going to lose. Whoever said that? Some really smart guy once, right? Some some dude out there. No, they some won. Some dude who, who it didn't turn out to be true anymore. But they won it, th- the three different games this weekend three different ways. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty remarkable. I, the, the, these teams are so confused on defense that they end up uh, falling back to a zone. We saw that a bunch, and how'd that go? I mean, you're going to zone one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's how flummoxed these defenses are, and no longer does the switch thing work every time. I mean, that was but, the great kryptonite for Jazz teams in this ball movement offense was that switch defense, and even that's not right. working. Well, they've got too many playmakers now, you know, for that to work consistently, at least. I mean, it might work here and there, but, uh, I mean, the Jazz aren't unbeatable. Well, and but, Rudy's uh, making the extra pass. 
I can't uh, emphasize how important that is because if you switch and Rudy's still got a guy between he and the basket, he's got his eyes out and he's looking for somebody on the corner three. Yeah. Yeah, they know. <laughs> how many times have you seen a jazz player uh, drive and then in the middle of traffic deliver the ball to an open three-point shooter? Yeah, it happens all the time. And, and, and sometimes Donovan does it, and he leaves his feet. Don't they always say, "No, <laughs> don't leave your feet without knowing exactly where you're going"? Well, maybe he does know exactly where he's going, but he—and that's, I guess, my point—is he knows where the players are around the arc, and he finds them, and he's not alone in that regard. And when you when you are a shooter and you have that kind of catch and shoot opportunity, uh, if you're a good shooter, chances are you're, you're gonna you have a good chance to make it. All right, up next, checking in with Hanson Scotty. They had David Locke on, and uh, they they talked to him about fatigue being an issue ahead of the postseason. I think traditionally um, teams that go on long win streaks usually lose, like they come out of the win streak and like lose a few in a row, right? Yeah. Um, we didn't do that. We actually just kept the winning streak going. Uh, I think there was a feeling, and in, in that the loss is getting more and more impressive by the day. Like, I actually think that's the thing about the streak. It's like, that, if that's what it takes to lose, like, that's what's jumping out to me at this point, is how impressive the loss is. Um, and so, when I look at this right now and, and analyze this team, I, I mean, I, the shooting was better last night at 40%, but, I mean, you see Boyanga 0 for 6. Like, some of our shooting numbers, to me, are a tired basketball team. 26% against Miami. Uh we didn't shoot it great against Milwaukee in the second half. 31% against Indiana was clearly a tired team. Boston's a pretty good defensive team. So I, I just think there have been signs of of just a, you know, we've had some bad defensive nights. Like, I just don't, like, they're really good. They'll misunderstand me. But I think this is just, there's a lot to this. And there's a, their intensity level and their focus and their engagement level is, has been crazy high. There's a reason that, there's a reason why teams don't do that. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And so I think that there's a, a moment where there's got to be some, where some fatigue happens here. So, so, David, how do the Clippers come into this back-to-back coming starting tomorrow? Do they, do they come in? Because I know guys have been sitting and they've been resting and guys, you got guys injured. And I think they had four of their starters out the other night. Like, do they try to come in fully loaded to make a point or – do they just look at this like, well, we'll just do what we need to continue to do to be ready for the postseason? Well, I mean, I think you understand this probably better than any of us. Hey, it's like you get like world-class athletes, give them a challenge. It's pretty exciting, right? Oh, yeah, very much. Like, right? Like playing Cleveland and Chicago and Minnesota is probably not – they've been playing some games here recently where they you know, they lost to Sacramento. They slept through a midday loss to Sacramento. The Clippers notoriously even – you know, over the years has been just terrible um, on those afternoon games. And that was with Kawhi. Um, I think PG's foot is real. So I, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I mean, they've just played a bunch of games that aren't particularly exciting. Like I'm sure they amped up for that Brooklyn game on February 2nd, and they probably amped up for Boston, which both of which they lost by the way. Um, so I, I'm sure they're excited to play these two games. They got two games at home. They're against the hottest team in the league. And they, they, you know, this is a unique – they're reading all of the Jazz press clippings. I mean, the Jazz are the team right now, right? They're number one in every power ranking. Every article's been written about them. Um, and so they are – you know, everyone – you know, they've read our press clippings. They're excited. I'm sure they're fired up to play. And they're just as good as we are right now, frankly. If you kind of look at the numbers, they, they're, they've been 
they started the year about six and four, and now they're twenty-one and eight. So they've clicked in at a pretty high level. I, I think they're they're amazingly loaded. I think they're great. That was David Locke on with uh, with Hanson Scotty here on ninety-seven-five and and twelve eighty the zone. What did you think, Gordo? Yeah. Uh, do you think the Jazz are going to hit uh, hit a wall? Uh, no, I mean, to find wall, do I think they're going to keep up this pace? Do you think fatigue will become a factor? Uh, I, I mean, I think it does every season. You hope you hope they remain healthy. I mean, I think that has yeah. more of a, 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 a potential to have an impact than, than fatigue. That's what I was thinking. When I watch the Jazz play, how many times do you see a Jazz player hit the floor? Well, it's you... rather – it's a lot. Yeah. They play hard. They go after loose balls. You you see them get knocked around. And, I mean, because we are watching something special right now, uh, I think the thing that would really interrupt it would be if somebody gets uh, – gets, right. uh, I don't want to say Bite it, your tongue, you know. Gordon. We yeah. know what you're getting at. You know, I'll just stop Knock right there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because this is, this is a collection of guys who, as, as you have pointed out, know how to play together, uh, understand what they're trying to get accomplished, and, and they're clicking. They're clicking maybe not on all cylinders, but they're clicking on most of them. And I don't see – I know at the beginning some people are going, okay, this is, this is, this is going to last. I think it will last. Why wouldn't it last? What's well, your indication that it won't last? That, no, there's no way they can play that well? That seems like sort of a, I don't know, I believe what I see. And what I see is this team winning 19 out of 20. Uh, yeah, they're going to lose somewhere along the way. I get that. But I think they're going to keep playing the way they are. And so uh, unless teams completely figure out, figure it out and find a way to, to shut it down, I, I think it's going to keep working. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen much get in the way of it. Well, at least during this recent run. And I, I do think the fact that the Jazz have buy-in from everybody and they play an unselfish brand of basketball makes them next level. And it's, it's the part that, you know, folks, the superstar argument leaves behind. You know, is, oh, you if you have to have LeBron to win a championship, well, there's a bunch of other teams out there that, you know, might as well quit trying. And the no, way that... The way yeah, that that's the, a, what? That's a, great, that's a great point, Jake. <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Please, uh, you were agreeing well, with me. Well, I mean, me. it's, it's everyone. Means. No, no. We all we all say that, Jake. We all say that. No, in order to win a championship, you have to have one of the three, four best players in the league. Otherwise, it won't work. But in the meantime, you say, okay, so is Donovan Mitchell going to be that guy? Is it going to be Rudy Gobert? And then you see Donovan Mitchell go out and have an off night. And what's he doing? He's getting the ball to other places where from which the Jazz can win. So. I I don't know. When I watch the Jazz play, I start to think maybe you don't have to have one of the two or three best players in the league on your team in order to win it. Maybe you don't. Well, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it before, and uh, you know we we actually haven't seen a lot of the things that the Jazz are doing now. I mean, they're they're really a unique team. 
with how they're playing and the way that uh, they've elected to play and how they're able to respond to what the other team does. I mean, you got to give the coaching staff a lot of credit, certainly, and you've got to give give the front office a lot of credit for putting the right pieces in place. Yeah. You know, and being patient yeah. with it at times when you're just kind of waiting for it to click in. You know, they had to be a little patient with Mike Conley, and we've seen how that certainly paid off for them. So, you know, there's credit certainly to go around. But, um, you know, the way that they're constructed and the way that they all buy into it, I mean, I think that's really important. I, th- I think it's really important, Gordon, that Donovan Mitchell isn't talking about himself in every postgame because he could be. He could be taking all the limelight and all the credit, and he could be, you know, talking about how well he plays. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He passes around the credit. He passes around the responsibility. He's he's a team guy, and I think that that's important for what the Jazz are trying to accomplish. So, you know, it's it's almost like a contradicting thing, like, well, Donovan Mitchell needs to be the superstar that he is. But actually what makes this Jazz team unique and, and so good right now is the fact that he is willing to be the guy but share. Other than the evidence that we see in front of us that when you go back through the NBA champions for the past couple of decades – it's usually led by a superstar player. So is the, but it, but if we take away the uh, the kind of the the notion that you have to have that, why is it that people believe that you do? Uh, is it because they think that it, it, that it'll break down at some point? Is it because they think okay, if Donovan Mitchell doesn't play like LeBron James, then he can't rely on the other guys in the lineup and then there's more there's more wiggle room for failure because you're depending on too many guys is that is that the thinking because one player in basketball can change the whole the one player in basketball is so incredibly important I mean, that's why you can surround LeBron with a G League team in Cleveland, and he's still going to go to the finals. I mean, because one player can make that big of difference. But it's also still a team game. And not one player can truly do it alone. It's still a team game. But to your point, Gordon, because in a playoff series, it's it's going to boil down to some games, uh, my player against your best player, and who's, who's going to go out there and get it done. But Donovan... Uh, has gotten it done in the clutch so far this year. I mean, he's been really, really good. So, mm. I just wonder what will happen if in a playoff setting the, the defense is doing something that's going to knock Donovan off a little bit. Can he rely on the other guys who are playing so well right now to play well when it matters most? We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from the Loan Depot, he's our good friend Matt Harrison hanging out with us today, helping uh, our listeners with reverse mortgages. What's going on, Matt? Hey, guys. How we doing? Hey, we're great, man, especially when we're able to help out our listeners with uh, maybe a little financial security. That was so fun. Okay, so what I want to talk about in this little segment here is how do we use this program to purchase a house? Now, this is going to be so fun, and I think that our listeners are going to learn something. Um, so let's say that you're in a house right now and you own it free and clear again, you're 62 or better. And, but the home that you're in doesn't quite fit your needs anymore. Maybe it's got stairs. Maybe it's too big. Maybe it's too small. Maybe the yard is getting a little out of control. Um, you know, Gordon, I mean, we know how, you know, you do yard care and, and spend time doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, when you, when you get to a spot in your life, right, you, you're, you're kind of saying, okay, do do I does the house fit where I want to go and how I want to age, and and you know, is it where I want to live? 
And let's say that the home that you're living in happens to be $400,000, okay? Um, you know that you could sell it for four hundred grand, but you're looking out there saying, gosh, there's just nothing in the market that is getting me excited at $400,000. And what this program will allow you to do is it's simple math. Last time we said, okay, 50% equity position and you can do this. Well, it works in the same fashion if you want to buy. So simple math, guys. You have $400,000 in equity in your home and it's and you're going to sell it. You can take that $400,000 and purchase a home that is double that. In other words, $800,000. And I'm using really round numbers here. That'd be a little bit different, but this is a pretty good rule to follow. You can buy an $800,000 home with a $400,000 investment and not have to make principal and interest payments. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so you can find that house that fits your right. needs and what you're wanting to do. Now, you don't have to upsize and go that direction. Obviously, you can downsize it, but it's great to know that you can find something in today's market that's been raising uh, or rising as far as the value and, and find something that's going to fit. And you're making it really easy to get information on this. In fact, giving out a free book if folks want. I am. And it really focuses in on the purchase side. So two ways to do this. It's, it's super simple. You can send me a text. My cell phone number, 801-330-2200. Again, 801-330-2200. Or you can visit my website, reverseourhome.com. Again, reverseourhome.com. Get you a lot of great information there about the program and how it works. And um, again, it, this is a, just such a wonderful program. Excited to teach you about it and uh, excited to hear from you. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much, Matt. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. All right. That's our friend Matt Harrison with Loan Depot. That number again, 801-330-2200. Or go to his website, reverseourhome.com. That's reverseourhome.com. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, this one goes out to Jordan on a Total Request Tuesday. Songs that embody... Austin Horton, who's back on the show today. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, I'm sure you followed it over the weekend. little drama with Andre Drummond. He's going to be shelved by the Cavs as they search for uh, a place to trade him and his enormous salary. And uh, Draymond Green, of all people, weighed in on this situation. And uh, he went on for a few minutes, but uh, figured it was worthy of conversation. So we'll go ahead and give that a listen. To watch Andre Drummond before the game, uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bull****. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, Oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, 
then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you, and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond's getting traded publicly, and we're looking to trade him publicly, and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, Everybody go crazy about that, too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win, do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can? It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, Oh, man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow or Wednesday. There you go. Draymond Green weighing in on uh, the Andre Drummond situation. Gordon, uh, give me your, give me your thoughts on what you heard him say right well, let me Let me start with what he said at the end there when he said uh, – uh, it goes along the same lines of when everyone wants to say, oh, man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. Um, is he talking about the players can't say that about the team? Or is he saying that, that nobody on the outside says it about the team? Because people do say it on the outside about the team. Organizations get ripped and criticized all the time. But players can't really rip the team, although sometimes players get sort of devalued by the team. Am I reading that right? I suppose. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to follow you. I, I think it's a little more nuanced than what Draymond is, is letting on. I mean, I, I guess I didn't understand who was he saying castrated James Harden. I, I don't get that because you can't control how fans react. That's, right. not, that's not the team's fault. And fans, and, the are, fans, and fans do rip the teams. They, they do rip the organizations. Players can't rip the organizations because then they'll get fined. And so that's why I thought, okay, who are you talking about here, Draymond? He was talking in general terms. And the way that the NBA is laid out as a sports league is unique. There's not another business in the world like it. And so it's it's the way that it's set up. I mean, right down to the draft and trades and all those sorts of things, it's all laid out in the contract and into the CBA. So I don't, I don't quite understand what he's complaining about per se. 
What about the idea of a player coming out and saying, I want to trade, and and, and as Draymond was saying, that everybody says this. I don't, I don't know who everybody is. I know fans, generally the public, doesn't like to hear that kind of thing. But when when uh, when teams are, say they're going to trade somebody, then it's okay for them to talk about it. Nobody criticizes the team for doing so. But that's the team's right to do it. That's not well, the that's team's he, fault. But, but he's saying that players should be able to do that too. They are able to do it. They uh, James Harden, he Draymond uh, admitted it right there. He said James Harden was dogging it at the end of his Houston days, but did he do anything that broke his contract? No, he showed up. He did but the, that, he did the, the bare but, minimum. But that's the heart of his whole argument is he's saying that uh, a player like Andre Drummond, he gets benched because the team is considering is going to trade him, but but that that doesn't go both ways. So the team can diminish a player, but the player can't diminish the team without getting fined. But they're paying him. Well, uh, yeah, but what uh, what I think what Draymond is saying is that the the players are providing a service to the team too. Right. And the Andre Drummond services in Cleveland are no longer wanted. Because they're going to move younger players into that spot, and they're not necessarily trying to win a whole bunch of ball games. So that and Andre Drummond is is paid more than he's worth, and his contract is now of a of a situation where it's advantageous to move it. These are all, you know, extra factors that aren't necessarily just performance on the floor. Right, but that's Draymond's argument. He's saying that why can the team dog it without facing any penalty? When the 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 player can dog it and face penalty, are they dogging it, or are they choosing to play somebody else? Well, I mean, they're dogging it from the standpoint that they're not trying to win. They're trying to develop younger players to win. Yeah, but are they putting the best players on the floor? You would you would imagine that Andre would fit into that category. But is that what's written in the collective bargaining agreement that yeah, they have to know. put the best players on the floor? But uh, that, but Draymond isn't complaining against the he's not complaining against the agreement he's complaining uh, about the attitude I think um, uh, you know I don't know because he was talking in such general terms there but do you think there's any validity to what he's saying not really because I think it's just more nuanced than that I get why he's complaining that a, a player that would request a trade would get uh, hammered by the um, uh, hammered by the fans but the franchise can't control that. That's the fans because they've got this personal attachment to the team that makes them or leads them to feel hurt by it. It's what makes right. sports so unique. But they like what are the Rockets supposed to do about that? Well, is he talking about Rockets fans or is he talking about the Rockets themselves? Because I can't imagine that the team was overly pleased when uh, when they were having to deal with that issue. No, and they wanted to be they wanted to wait it out to try and maximize James Harden's value. Can you blame them for doing that? And James forced their hand by dogging it. Right, but but yeah, that's all true. It's all true. But what but I think what Draymond is getting at is. The team's not happy with the player, and they can be unhappy with the player. But the player, if the player is unhappy with the team, then the player is put in a disadvantageous position. Is James Harden still on the Rockets? Did he get uh, Did he get exactly what he wanted right down to the destination that he landed? Yeah, but he's probably got some scars along the way. Scars? 
I don't know. Draymond's the one who said it, not me. <laughs> I don't. I. That's why I'm saying. I think it's so much more nuanced than the way the Draymond put that out there. Well, it was it was kind of vague. <laughs> but I mean, so so it. Cleveland wants to move on to Jared Allen. They just require or acquired him in a trade. They're excited about developing a, a big, which I think you and I both agree has a tremendous amount of potential. And so they're they're going to play him over Drummond. What's what's so? I don't below board about that. I don't get it. Don't, and and also, but Draymond of, was mad because he he didn't play. He was like you were, he, they were putting him in the doghouse. Well, if they stopped paying him, then maybe I'd think that <laughs> that Draymond would have a point. But I mean, you know, they're re- rewarded quite handsomely for operating in this unique circumstance. And if this is really a big I, deal, make a big deal out of it in the CBA because that's where the problem is. Well, I'm not sure that the league is going to sit there and shake in their boots because of what Draymond Green says. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. But but there might be, I don't know, there might be some sort of soft tweaks they can make. To, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know whether anybody with the NBA is listening to what Draymond Green says in this regard. But if it is a feeling amongst the players league-wide, then maybe it is something that the league should try to uh, mitigate. What, you can't trade a player anymore? No, just maybe just be a little more careful with the way you do it. <laughs> what is that? I don't you know. Nicer to I'm, him? I'm trying to interpret what Draymond is saying here. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> don't, don't penalize me because we don't really know specifically what Draymond is getting at. All right, stay tuned. Uh, we've got a market update coming up next. We've got our friend Keith Smith who will join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bowler at 5. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll get to Austin's list coming up here in a moment. But first, let's get a TridayTrading.com market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how the markets do today? Well, the market the markets bugged Austin just a little bit because the NASDAQ and the S&P were down. The NASDAQ down 48 points. The S&P down two, just over two. But the Dow, the Dow was up 64 points. So All right. There you, have it. There you go. All right, let's get to Austin's list. We haven't done it in a while. Of course, Austin Horton, our producer, has an enemies list, and we put people on that list all the time. Who's going on today? You want three or four, because I've I've held on to these for two weeks. Go ahead. Go for it. Bring them all. Uh, first up, and this is really my problem, but since it's not airing of Austin's problems that I've created, it's cr- problems created for me. Uh, eggs are going on the list, <laughs> simply because they're so dang cheap that every time I go to the the, the store and buy eggs, I buy 600 of them, and then they always, always just go rotten go in my bad. fridge. And, and like an idiot, I just keep buying 600 at a time because it costs me 84 cents to right. buy 600 eggs. What's the, uh, what's the hang time on an egg? I don't know, but uh, it's it, we eat an egg probably once every uh, 
three or four weeks and egg. And why? but yet we why? still buy so many of them. Why? Why don't you eat more? Mostly the stuff we buy has pre-mixed eggs in it, and so like the little breakfast bowls we make from Jimmy Dean's and such. But anywho, how many eggs does your family go through in a week, Gordon? A lot. More than Gaston, huh? A lot, because <laughs> uh, my my family. You're running a bed and breakfast, there, fella. <laughs> That is true. At what point? At it. some point, you got to just buy some hens, don't you? I <laughs> probably should have a whole pen of them back there in the backyard. What do they do with chickens in the uh, in the in the cold weather? They eat them. <laughs> <laughs> My brother has a heat lamp out there for his chickens. But, oh, does he? Yeah. Your brother has chickens? Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, how many? Uh, they're dwindling in numbers recently. Again, but why? eating them. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the nieces aren't tuned in today. But uh, also, uh, food delivery. We did that quite a bit uh, in the last two weeks at our home, and it's a wonderful, terrific, great invention, and they're doing God's work out there, those food deliverers. But please, when you bring the food to someone's house, ring the doorbell. Don't just set it on the porch and leave. because Then you get cold food. (laughs) Yeah, and the burrito I had bought would have been really nice if it had been warm. But instead, it was out there. For, and I was like, where is our food? And so I'd open, and I even checked, opened the door to look. They had hidden it around the corner on our porch. And so anyway, just. That's because they didn't want somebody to steal it. Well, just ring the dang doorbell. Well, how hard is it to push a doorbell? Maybe and they did ring the doorbell. They didn't because I was camped. I was so hungry. I was camped by that door waiting for that and doorbell. And Austin was home. I mean, like if he would have had nowhere to go, <laughs> nothing to do. Rung the doorbell. I think Austin would have noticed. I mean, he was in the dwelling. <laughs> so I was in the in the door threshold, pretty much. So, uh, so remember that song from the seventies, "Ring My Bell." Ring my bell. No, I'm thirty five. Yeah. Ring my bell. All right. Seems suggestive. I don't think that's appropriate, actually. <laughs> uh, next, electric snowblowers and whoever invented them go to hell. Go straight <laughs> to hell. Didn't I spent <laughs> nigh unto three hours today shoveling like a fool. Because I, first of all, I moved into a really, like the, the northeast winds just get me every single day. And, and where you get an inch, I get 17 inches. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much uh, I get compared to other places. But I bought an electric snowblower because they told me it can handle it. They can, it. And it'll be nice for the environment. You're doing the right, uh, responsible thing. It costs just as dang much as an actual snowblower uh-huh. and does less work than a, a, a Dixie cup. You'd be better served to take a Dixie cup out there. You'd get it done faster. Now, did it get jammed or what happened? Yeah, it just jams up because the, the snow is so heavy and thick. And you don't want to stick your hand down there. Well, it's so, just a big plastic blade, but it's you go, I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating. I know I do that sometimes, I'm not exaggerating. You go a half an inch forward and it just goes and is full of snow. <laughs> you have to reach in there and, and then another half an inch. And hey, it's hey, 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 be careful reaching in there, you know, because those things can... You know, spring on you. It, it's then, just a big plastic paddle. It's not. You got a paddler. Yes, oh, that's what it is. But they, anyway, so whoever invented the electric snowblower goes straight to you're on hell. the list. Mm. You know, I, you know, Austin, I think you ought to go out and get like a full size John Deere tractor. I told I told my wife to Amazon blow torches uh, <laughs> because I, I oh, I'm going I'm 35 going on 65 because of the dang snow. All right, I, I know this is your time, but uh, Jake, I gotta ask you. If Whitney went out and bought blow torches for Austin with his luck, what do you think the result would be? 
Uh, well, I mean, he'd certainly burn down his own house. <laughs> I mean, uh, let, let's hope it didn't spread to the neighbors. He'd melt his driveway, too, wouldn't he? Hey, right. guys, can I? Uh, can the fam stay in the basement for a little while? Kind of burnt down my house over the weekend. <laughs> Do you have a tent? <laughs> you know, a three kinda... to five man tent for it. I have a friend. I have a friend who burnt down his own house. I mean, he 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 he. <laughs> never mind. Insur- that's insurance, hilarious. Insurance yeah. purposes? Yeah. No, he was a young fool who did something stupid. But anyway, go ahead. I think there's more to that story for once. What he, what, what, what he was doing, blue darts in the living room? Or? <laughs> <laughs> he, I can't remember all the specifics of it, but it's a true story. He did something, and I can't remember what it was that triggered a fire, and he uh, burnt down his parents' house. Yep. Wow. Yeah, not good. Uh, and then finally, the eastern brown snake goes on the list today. Ooh, why? The eastern brown snake of Australian nativity. Uh, because a, a family cat in Australia, Arthur, is being heralded as a four-legged hero after he died fighting off the very venomous eastern brown snake in uh, Brisbane, Australia. This poor, this, the, 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 these kids were playing in the yard, and the, the snake slithered on in, and the cat fought it to the death. Killed the snake, but the snake also had bitten him a few times and went away. And sadly, uh, Arthur did not make it. So he saved the kids' lives. But that snake has no business coming into the yard. Just go be a snake out there in the, in the bush of, uh, of Australia there. Don't need to come in here and bother the kids. So the eastern brown snake goes on the list today. Okay. How about that? Heroic. So we have all sorts of people making the list. That's good. We missed you, Austin. Missed Austin's list there. Yeah, I really did because, and besides, I think what happens is our listeners hear what Austin is complaining about. They think about the the, the things that they want to complain about in their own lives, and so it's cathartic for them. It's therapy. All right, we're going to have Keith Smith. He's going to join us, a little uh, NBA insider coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bowler joins us at 5, but let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, he is Matt Harrison with Lone Depot. What's going on, Matt? Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing great, and especially like it, uh, helping out our listeners who could benefit from this great program we've got going. Oh, I love it. All right. So we've, talking, we've been talking reverse mortgages all afternoon, and I want to kind of give a little bit more information on how you can use this program in a way that is very strategic. So when we talk about reverse mortgages, obviously we, we know that, okay, this is going to allow us to not have to make a principal or interest payment, which will increase our cash flow. But did you know that there's a scenario where making payments could actually be to your benefit? That would be great, right? That's the dream. Yeah. So, so let, me, let me tell you how this works. Um, if you make a payment on a forward mortgage, let's say that it's $2,000 a month. What is that payment doing? It's going to lower down the principal, lower the interest, right? It's lowering the loan balance itself. But you can't take that money back, right? Once you invest that in your home, it's then invested in that home and and that mortgage and continues to pay down the balance. If you have a reverse mortgage, obviously you don't need to make those principal or interest payments, but if you decide that you would like to, now first, you don't have to, and there's no set schedule to say this month you have to make this much payment or that month 
that payment. If you decide that you want to make a payment, let's say that it's a $2,000 payment, it's going to reduce down the loan balance by two grand and at the same time increase a line of credit by $2,000. Now, here's the really cool thing about this line of credit. Gordon, you ready? Yeah. The line of credit is going to grow at a half a percent greater than the interest rate that is currently on your loan balance. Mm, nice. Okay. Now, where else are you going to get that? And so if you think about this and say, okay, if I'm making payments and I want to do a forward mortgage and I want to continue to make payments, if I make payments on a reverse, not only is it doing the same thing as the forward mortgage would be doing as far as lowering the loan balance, but it's also increasing the line of credit by that same amount. And it's growing with interest and you can draw on it for any time for any reason. Wow, that's amazing. And, and you're really making a lot of information available on this whole thing. You just want to get the word out. I do. This is such a wonderful program. It has changed so much in the past few years. So throw out all the stuff that you think you know about reverse mortgages and let's fill you in with the right information. A couple ways to do that. I am handing out free books. I'm just going to mail them to you. I need to know an address. And my cell phone number, just text me. It's 801-330-2200. Again, 801-330-2200. You can also visit my website, reverseourhome.com. Again, reverseourhome.com. It has a ton of informational videos, give you everything that you need to know. And again, my goal is to help you in any way that I can to understand this program better. We appreciate you, Matt. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, guys. That's our friend Matt Harrison with Loan Depot. That number again, 801-330-2200. Or uh, check out his website, reverseourhome.com. Keith Smith joins us next, talking a little NBA hoop on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.